0: Hi, I'm Kyle,
1: and I'm Trevor. And uh, today, Kyle will be catching up on cinema. Uh, so for this episode, I had Kyle watch um, 2008's Ipman. Um, if you have Netflix, um, there's a and you're a dude who watches action movies. Uh, there's a very good chance that this film has uh, come across in your search results. Um, Kyle, uh, has your Netflix ever suggested uh, Ipman to you?
0: no <laughs>
1: okay <laughs> yeah, never mind then um i, I used to okay joke... <laughs> end broadcast <laughs> um thank you for uh completely derailing my joke moving on <laughs> uh, so a few years ago i used to joke that uh a little bit of background um i happen to really love martial arts films um fighting in particular in movies is one of the most fascinating things to me fight choreography and staging of action scenes and stunt work all that stuff is kind of my that's my jam like that's that's where I'm most comfortable those are the movies I gravitate to um and oftentimes I find when I talk to people about that like other film enthusiasts um I notice that not everybody has a lot to contribute on this particular topic um usually I'll mention martial arts movies and the most common thing that people throw out there is like, oh yeah, I love Jackie Chan. And I'll be like, okay, yeah, Yeah. everybody loves Jackie Chan. And then uh, in more recent years, though, this has been the movie, That and The Raid, that anytime I bring up martial arts and films, uh, that seems to be like people's touchstone. That's the one that they go to where it's like, oh yeah, I can can relate to this guy. It's like, I've seen The Raid. I've seen Ip Man. I know martial arts movies. And I don't know how many fucking people have had tell me about these movies it's like yeah i know i've seen it <laughs> thanks but so the reason why i had kyle watch ipman um this uh, donnie yen movie uh, directed by wilson yip again from 2008 uh actually the story behind me arriving at this film uh starts several years before that uh so wilson yip uh he's a hong kong film director uh he made a film called Biozombie that my brother uh, made me and my mom watch a long time ago. And it's, it's this goofy, like, screwball uh, zombie movie in a shopping mall that it's like equal parts, like Romero's Dawn of the Dead, a uh, little sprinkling of Dead Alive, but with none of the budget or the ambition, but all of the heart. And it was a lot of fun. And uh, that was the first Wilson Yip movie I watched. But. In two thousand and four, there was a movie called SPL, uh, Sat Po Lung. That's a. It's, apparently, it's the name of like three astrological signs in in Chinese folklore. Um, it's like a uh, it's like a cops and robbers story, but with a heavy dose of modern day martial arts thrown in. And it starred Donnie Yen, and it was directed by Wilson Yip, and uh, that kind of got the ball rolling for me developing an interest in Hong Kong cinema in the 2000s. I kind of dabbled in it, like with John Woo movies and Choi Hark movies and things like that, but I kind of lost interest after a while, and it wasn't until uh, 2004 when this SPL movie came out that I got re-energized. And this also was like the kickoff point where uh, Donnie Yen and Wilson Yip... Started like a multi-film collaboration. Uh, Donnie Yen became like his, uh, his Robert De Niro or his Leonardo DiCaprio. He was starring or headlining like all of his movies for several years in a row. So flash forward four years later and we get Yipon. And I watched every one of their you know, subsequent collaborations and so by the time this one came along and I saw the trailers for it which were fucking spectacular by the way, I was just geared up and ready to go. And, uh, I feel like Yip Man has kind of become like the, I don't know, the go-to like gateway martial arts film in the late two thousands, early 2010s era. Um, but enough from me, um, Kyle, uh, tell me a little something about how you felt about watching this movie.
0: Well, it's, um, I like Donnie Yen or Donnie money as I was calling him because, uh, yeah, um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but y- uh yamimbi means yam- people's yamimbi. money <laughs> uh, watching it it's shot really really well and there's definitely some scenes that i like more than others um <clears throat> i think the set design on this movie is phenomenal like they hit the inside Out of his, like the inside the house, Mm -hmm. that whole so they recreated um, the town of Fushan. That is Fushan. They rebuilt, like they built that whole set that 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 um, those sequences are taking place in um, the fight. Some of the fight sequences. When I looked at it initially, I am like, okay, they spent a lot of time on this, and then I actually looked at IMDb, and they like, yeah, they they built that set. Um, I really like that, and it shot really really well. Uh, Donnie Yen is just so affable in this movie, but I think they, the actual Ip Man, um, I think he was actually supposed to be really affable as well, um, but I am not quite sure. I read up on him, and then I found out who he was, which we can wait to get to. I, yeah, uh, it's, it's kind what of makes it's, him...
1: everything is explained at the end of the film uh, for you know all the people who maybe didn't know going in. But um, well, it's thing... funny. It's funny you say Donnie Yen is a uh, affable. Uh, because mm-hmm. as I said Ip Man is kind of like it's like the reference film that like it's like the gateway drug for martial arts films of its era um, which is now basically um, The Raid came out a few years later and that seems to have maybe taken the mantle but at the time it's like this was the movie that you know if you're going to get into this particular subgenre this is the one that most people seem to go to it's very approachable it's very comfortable mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing about the casting, though, is that uh, Donnie Yen, up to this point, um, and you know Donnie Yen is, I think, in his 40s by the time he assumes this role for the first time. Um, he had had a very long career in Hong Kong cinema dating back to the late 80s, or early 80s, actually. And um, to me, having seen a lot of those films up to this point, um, it was really strange because his best gifts as an actor he's not much of an actor to be honest um he typically plays like brash arrogant like pompous kind of characters like he he's very good at like being like a mick jagger kind of character like swinging dick and like preening and posturing in fact there's like a pose that i i copied from him from one of his movies um not just spl but the uh, the prequel to it called uh, Flashpoint. But I may have you watch that too also because it's like one of my favorite movies. Um, but yeah, uh, typically he plays very animated, very arrogant, very brash characters. And to see him play this character where he's meant to be very subdued and very polite and very honorable all the time, it, it was a very strange casting choice and yet somehow it's become his like most iconic role. Um, to the point well, that now they're, they're are three films, and the fourth one is actually currently in post production.
0: Hmm. Well, apparently, this—I'm uh, sure you're going to talk about it—but this movie, these—they wanted to make this movie a trilogy from the beginning, I think, and they wanted to make it like twenty or thirty years before this was made. Um, and I, th- or I think about twenty years before this was made, and I think Brandon Lee was actually supposed to be in the film originally.
1: Um, I wouldn't doubt it, uh, especially. Being as you know, Ip Man and Bruce Lee have a connection. Um, the difficult thing, though, when it comes to stories like this, is the fact that Yipman uh, is a real historical figure. He's a real person, mm-hmm. and he still has living relatives. Uh, his son, or at least at least one of his sons, is still alive. And uh,
0: he was he uh, he actually <clears throat> was a consultant. Okay. Movie.
1: Um, it's interesting because uh, so. It, there's the Ip Man films with Donnie Yen, directed by Wilson Yip. Like I said, there are three of them currently released. The fourth one is currently in post production. Um, I think it was Yip Chun, uh, one of a uh, one of Ip Man's actual children, uh, mm. took offense uh, to at least one of these films, and it resulted in uh, a number of studios releasing competing Ip Man films. Ooh. So on my shelf, I can count at least three other Yipman Man films that are unrelated to the Donnie Yen ones uh, there's uh, Ip Man The Final Fight Yipman Man The Legend Is Born uh, there's a film called The Grand Master which I think is a Wong Kar Wai film uh, starring Ton- Tony Leung uh, it's I think it was the the same director as House of Flying Daggers and he he does very artful like artsy fartsy kind of films <laughs> Uh, point, point is there's like an entire genre of, of Yipman Man films and uh, The Legend is Born in fact had Yip Chun in it um, and supposedly the film was produced like with his blessing uh, however that film is complete of garbage <laughs> um, I, I would put the rest I would put the Donnie and Ip Man films way above all the other ones I listed except maybe the Grandmaster but that's an entirely different animal
0: so apparently Donnie Yen was actually slated to play Yip Man in the supposed first biopic that was to go into production in 1997 um, it had shooting for one day and then it was cancelled the project was cancelled
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, that's unfortunate
0: yeah um, that's. I, I, think, on the... I
1: think the timing was difficult like 97 in particular that was the year that uh, Hong Kong was handed back to the Chinese uh, from Britain
0: uh, it was handed back to Jackie Chan. It <laughs> was handed
1: happened. back. Yeah. Jun, Jun Tao was the reason it took as long as it did. It was yeah. Jun Tao stealing all the antiquities. I can't <laughs> do
0: Jackie Chan. I can't. Okay. You can't do stereotypical um, Asian voices, but you can do actors, correct? If you're doing a specific person, if you're doing Jackie Chan, yes. that's okay. Uh, that's
1: that's okay. allowed. I mean, I, okay. have a ja- I have a Jackie Chan in my back pocket. I, I can whip I, it out like a six-shooter.
0: <laughs> like, like, you're not supposed to stereotype people's voices, but if you're doing a specific person, then I think that's I think okay.
1: It's, in the words of the immortal Mills Lane, I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll allow
0: it. <laughs> no. um, uh, who I so my uncle? What, I, think uh, the,
1: I... I think the reason this film came out the re- when it did is, um, have you heard of a Jet Li film called Fearless?
0: Yeah, I have, actually. Okay.
1: Um, Ronnie Yu, uh, the man who brought us Freddy vs. Jason and Bride of Chucky. <laughs> um, Fearless, if I remember right, came out in 2006. And that was another martial arts biopic about a Chinese man fighting the Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about Ho Jia, uh, who who uh, the Bruce Lee film Fist of Fury. Um, is, uh, with... It's about a fictional disciple of this oh. Ho Yan Jia character. Anyway, um, the formula, other than like the intensely like, like heavy-handed Confucian stuff in, in a Fearless, the formula is very similar to Ip Man, and it came out two years prior. And I think the success of that film was what got this one greenlit. It's like it's a moving. very very patriotic Chinese martial arts biopic story involving punching of Japanese people. <laughs>
0: This movie's weird, and it might be a cultural difference in um, how we handle biographical films, because I was I was expecting this to be just like a regular, like, chosen one, vengeance kind of martial arts movie, whereas this is actually supposed to be kind of biographical. But the, the way that American cinema tries to um, tackle... A biography basically um it's it's very much different because this actually has very little to do with his actual story oh no this most is,
1: of it's falsified like most yeah. of it's complete horseshit
0: there are aspects like he i mean he was a cop um they show him at one point working in a, in a coal mine so yeah um it's really just his name that's that's carrying it in this it's just it's it's weird like i, I read about him like oh like Oh, this is a real person. I'm like, oh, he's a real real person and then I read his like his little Wikipedia thing I'm like, Huh, okay. There's a little bit in here that's about him, but not really much.
1: Well, I mean the Chinese hero worship is kind of bold faced and they're they're not shy about like falsifying things and like making making people into spectacles of themselves, like making more of a person than was actually true and they make virtually no attempt to give any dimension to him. Uh, he's basically a perfect guy except for yep. maybe slightly neglectful as a husband and a father, but, no, and in not. fact, in real life, uh, he did get divorced and his, he died. His wife died estranged from him.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, <okay. laughs> um, but none of that's in the movie. He's pretty much, you know, perfect symbol of just, uh, like Confucian beliefs of you know respect your fellow man, be be just and righteous, um, and a lot he of was it, a, yeah, a lot of it I do think has to do with just cultural differences. And like you said, they kind of use his name and use him as like a symbol because the majority of the story is just about like the Chinese people in general, as opposed to like him as a person. In fact, his biggest contribution to the story is putting aside his own personal things and just kind of doing massive symbolic gestures that like bolster the spirits of his fellow man. So Uh it's, it's that greater good kind of mentality as opposed to like an American biopic where it'd be more focused on the dimensions of the character and like exposing the flaws and maybe showing that, yeah, this guy was great, but he also had this going for him as well. And he also had these problems and he also sucked at this.
0: Uh-huh. Um. So yeah. Um. So yeah. We may dude. as
1: well actually get to the film. <laughs> um. So we, we open in Fushan, uh, which is a village in China that um they actually mention at some point in the dialogue um that Wong Fei Hung is supposed to be from there. He's a Chinese folk hero. It mm-hmm. was like everything from like an acupuncturist to a doctor to an expert martial artist to also sometimes the drunken master. <laughs> Um, so, Foshan is like a, a hotbed for martial arts. That's basically all you need to know.
0: And yeah, I, th- we I think that. we
1: open on a celebration of the opening of a brand new school uh, for oh, a, okay. a master Liu.
0: Because that's what I—I I had a question: like fireworks and kung fu. I'm like, why are they? Why do they have fireworks for? Just, um, there...
1: To ward off evil spirits and like bring good luck. Loud noises. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we get a. Uh, a, uh, Robert Zemeckis cut, it's very uh, reminiscent of the uh, the feather in Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. except with a CGI kite, it's like a black yeah. kite, and uh, we see this kite get stuck in a tree at a mansion, and uh, I think we're introduced to Iman almost right away, he's like having dinner with his family?
0: Yeah, it, that, that kind of threw me off, because I knew... That starts um, very knew-
1: quickly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I knew Donnie Yin was going to be the um, the main character. I'm like, oh, that's him. I'm like, oh, okay. He's just sitting, that's- <laughs>
1: He's just sitting cross-legged, having having dinner with his wife and son. Yeah. And, and, and the- damn, they have a fucking house, by the way.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like the house is nice. the The set design on this is is through the roof. Like, it, there's a lot of detail in his house. Like, it's it's nice.
1: I don't know much uh, about Chinese labor regulations, but um, I've noticed that. Chinese films typically have extravagant sets and costumes. Sets in particular, though. Um, (laughs) Again, I don't know about their labor laws. But, uh, yeah, no, the sets in this are pretty fucking great. I I actually really love uh, his house in particular. Um, So, yeah, Yipman, Man, it's pretty clear that he comes from money. Mm -hmm. He's wealthy. He's got at least two servants in there.
0: Yeah, he... I did, I read something about it, like he was he didn't teach that much that's the thing like he wasn't as big of an instructor as I was led to believe initially um, and I don't know how well he was historically but this might just be them fabricating like oh yeah no 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 he's he's all around he was rich he was successful he was just a great guy all around that super hot wife S- <laughs> yeah
1: um so yeah uh, they're having dinner. It's a, this extravagant, apparently multi-course meal, and then uh, they get a knock at the door, and it's uh, Master Liu, uh, the guy, the gentleman who just opened his school, and uh, yeah. he calls for a, a sparring match with Ip He just yeah. says, "Hey," and they have this wonderful little exchange where it's 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 so consummately Chinese. Or right? <laughs> he's he's like trying to like force his way into the home while being very polite and. Attempting to be like magnanimous, but you can tell it's like he's got he wants something and he's gonna get it. Um, so Yip Man like, grudgingly, well, he, he doesn't like show it out really, but you can tell he's like, I don't want to deal with you right now. But yeah. he he welcomes him into his home and uh, he continues eating dinner and he says, Master Liu, you can just wait. And then they have this funny moment where Liu's just like watching them eat and Yipman looks over his shoulder and he's like, you know you, you can come on man Like, just join us and they all eat dinner together and uh, then they enjoy a fucking smoke right after dinner <laughs> so they have some dessert uh, they, they enjoy a nice smoke and then uh, they have themselves a little sparring match
0: yeah he um, just sparring just messing around and I'm not sure why he wanted to do it but Eatmon clearly is the superior uh, master and it's being watched by some little shit heel. Um,
1: oh God, I hate this kid. I hate this really kid alive. so much.
0: <laughs> I thought he kind of looked like um, Lu Kang's brother, um, if he was a little bit older. Like that's what his that that actor. Like a grew foot up. taller, mm-hmm. with,
1: with immaculate makeup
0: um but he's like he sees them fighting and uh he runs back to all of his friends talking shit like oh my gosh eatmon beat the shit out of uh uh out of this other master and fucking tattletale basically <laughs> goes around and uh tells the master like hey man they're they're saying that eatmon just like knocked the shit out of you and he's like who the fuck what yeah and, uh, he
1: spits his tea <laughs> yeah. he's like what the fuck well, like, that, that's what's funny is um, after Yipman Man humbles Master Liu. Um, it's a pretty interestingly choreographed scene because um, they're completely pulling their punches. Like yeah. it's it's a friendly match. I mean, mm-hmm. there is some intensity in their movements, but Ip Man is not striking him full force. He's more just. He's even in in my subtitled version. He even uses the phrase like. Touche, like I scored a hit on you. Mm -hmm. So it's it's play fighting. It's it's just, yeah, you know, going through the motions. But he completely humbles Liu, and you can see it on Master Liu's face that he's just like completely emotionally wrecked. And he even says before he leaves, like you aren't going to tell anyone about this, right? And you can tell it, you know, know, Ip Man isn't going to, because he's a good guy. He wouldn't ruin his. He wouldn't ruin this guy's reputation.
0: Well, apparently, Eatmon, um, historically, he went to fight a guy like this, except he was much younger. He was very young. And he went and fought one of these guys that's supposed to be uh, like a master, and the dude beat the shit out of him. Yeah. And then he came back, and then he beat the shit out of him again, or something like that. So, like, he lost to this guy two times, and, like, he just left quietly and, like, didn't. He was humbled. It was a humbling experience for him. And uh, he just like, I don't want to practice anymore. I don't want to do any of this shit. But. He got back into it because I guess the guy was like, "Oh yeah, you were great, just you weren't as good as me." Basically, <laughs> um, I think that was kind of what the scene was supposed to be: was that um, the guy's good, but he's just nowhere near Eatmon. But this guy's much, much older, so I don't. I, I just think the inspiration might have been from that story.
1: Could be. That's that's a neat, that's a neat point. But what what's interesting about this scene is it demonstrates a couple of character points where it shows that Eatmon is a considerate fellow he uh-huh. understands that it's important to this person's reputation that this not get out um, he even is resistant to the idea of having the sparring match to begin with and it introduces this theme of, of pride and, and, and saving face that's a very mm-hmm. important thing in fact it comes up a little later in the film but um, even the circumstances of the sparring match Yipman shuts the door behind them um, and if not for the kid watching nobody would have known this happened
0: yeah
1: uh, so yeah they all um, the majority of our cast in fact pretty much the entirety of our cast um, all meet up at a restaurant. Um, it's a bustling restaurant um a, a fellow by the name of uh, Jing yu uh, he's the he's the older brother to the kid with the kite
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: he's like a he wants to be a pupil of Yon Yip but Yipman is kind of on the fence about letting him you know, learn under him Uh, jing Yu works at the restaurant is like serving everyone uh like kyle mentioned the little brother shows up and starts talking shit and starts you know spreading the tale of master liu getting his ass whipped by yip man um and then in the in a back room uh we're introduced to simon yam uh dressed very nicely in a suit with glasses and he's always fucking around with some like some balm or moisturizer on uh, he has interesting hands i've always noticed that about simon yam but uh he and Yipman uh, at this restaurant uh have a little discussion and you can tell that they're very close friends uh, simon yam is there basically to ask for a loan uh for a clothing factory and Yipman's mm-hmm. kind of on the fence about whether he wants to give him the money or not but uh, just from the way they they speak with each other and the way they're they sh- like share reverence for each other. You can tell they're very old friends of some sort. Um, I think at this point, Jingyu pulls the pants down to the little brother. Oh. And then the little brother leaves the film for like an hour. And I wish he had yeah. left for the rest of the film.
0: I thought he was done. If you get pants in front of all those people, like that's it. Like you're done. <laughs>
1: yeah. So this starts a commotion and then we get introduced to, um, I think personally the most interesting character in the whole movie. Um, his name is Lee. Um, played by Lam Ka uh, We're introduced to him. He's a, I think, a constable or a, a cop, basically.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So he, there's a big commotion at the restaurant because the two brothers yelling at each other. One of them gets pantsed in front of everyone. <laughs> and uh, Lee walks up and says, Cut the shit. And uh, he, you can tell he's maybe either jealous or just tired. Of all the martial artists in the town, starting shit, because well, yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure that you know a town whose like <laughs> economy is based on martial arts teaching yeah. is bound to have a lot of issues. Um, like so yeah, Lee steps in and he starts waving a pistol around like a revolver. And uh, if I remember right, Yipman grabs the gun and uh, ejects the the chamber.
0: So this is uh, yeah, uh, I want to bring that up um Steph was talking about that she's like he wouldn't be able to do that I'm like I thought about it for a second i I'm like I think this is a um something that happens in Chinese films because Jet Li does it in Lethal Weapon 4 Mm he takes (laughs) the guy's gun off yeah Um, Yeah. his hand does it in Rush Hour uh he's able to like just like disassemble the guy's gun with one hand I, there, maybe there's just a thing in um in in chinese culture at least with making these movies they're like no 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 guns are a joke like um,
1: th- i think what it is um countries particularly china um, nations or cultures that have um ancient martial arts teachings mm-hmm. um, the martial arts are very protected they're held in very high esteem it's like uh it's like Thai boxing. I like Thai boxers in Thailand are are celebrated as almost like living gods. Like mm-hmm. They have inflated records because they're spoon-fed, lousy competition sometimes just to inflate their records because we're not here to see a contest. We're here to see a great person do their art. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same concept with Chinese martial arts in particular, where it's like these practices have existed for like thousands of years Mm -hmm. And now we have MMA and now it's understood that to a practical mindset, it's understood that these forms that we teach people, these concepts that we teach people from thousands of years ago are maybe not as effective as they once were. Mm -hmm. However, um, the con like the basis of like Chinese Kung Fu is it's not meant to evolve. It's meant to stay static. Uh so I think things like this are meant to assert like the strength of these ancient practices in a world that is maybe not as willing to do that to play along. And mm-hmm. I notice a lot of like a lot of my friends that maybe don't have as much background with like Asian cinema and like martial arts films in particular are kind of big to roll their eyes at martial arts movies because it all comes across as so phony because I mean the choreography is typically spectacular and stuff but in terms of practicality if you've ever seen what real fighting looks like it doesn't look like that
0: mm.
1: and you're missing the point <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's a massive cultural difference that I think that's why it's there is to just to assert that yes there is still a place for this mm. even though it's antiquated gotcha so, yeah, Ip Man disarms Lee kind of humiliates him a little bit but again uh immediately stoops down and picks up the bullets himself and hands them back to lee while saying that you know it's like we're energetic people we get riled up sometimes i'm sorry and then they all enjoy a meal together lee gets some premium seating everything's cool um i think right after this uh is when we get introduced to um a theme that's revisited more in the sequels i think than in this movie um so right after the scene is when uh Yip man goes home and he's uh jing yu follows him because he wants to take some lessons from Yipman man now that he knows that he humbled master liu uh-huh. uh, the new guy in town and uh during all this like Yipman's man's wife and uh, his son are like sitting with Simon Yam and the son is, like, drawing and she's like, hey, you should take a look at your son's drawing, and Yip Man's like, too busy. He's like, fuck, yeah. it. I'm, I'm doing my martial arts. <laughs> I mean, he's not rude about it. He's just no. obviously caught up in things.
0: The adults are talking. Yeah, that's that's pretty <laughs>
1: standard. <laughs> he should have just been like,
0: hush! Hush! Yeah. <laughs> she's all like, oh, no, I can't believe you would, uh, I can't believe you would tell him to be quiet and not see his drawing. Like, did you not do you not see what I'm doing? Like it's a, I'm, I am creating art over here
1: with my that's, bare hands.
0: Standard. Standard. Just I'll look at it later. Take it over <laughs> yeah,
1: I will look at it later. Look Dad it is in. working. <laughs>
0: it's like I had
1: a long day. <laughs> I just want to come home and watch the game.
0: I Jesus just, just going to watch the game, babe.
1: <laughs> nag nag nag. <laughs> yeah she calls him out on it and she's like hey like all you guys do is talk about fighting and fight like, cut it out so um, in the morning though like I guess he tries to make it up to them but uh, more interesting thing that happens um, and again one of my other favorite characters in the movie is uh, the following day uh, Fancy Wong enters the film uh, he is the uh, northerner
0: Character's mm-hmm. name is
1: Jin San Zhao. Um, I really love him. Like, I don't know how you felt about him, but uh, he, he, he was great.
0: <laughs> well, I just wasn't sure what, because I knew what was going to happen going into this movie, because its I read the plot description, and it's like Japan's going to invade China. I'm like, oh, okay. So, well, yeah, all... we begin in
1: 1935. It's pretty obvious what's around the corner.
0: Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is just arbitrary. Like, this isn't, I'm like, well, what's the point of it? Is it him fighting these people or is it him coping with? Because I'm coming from the American standpoint of like, okay, so he's either going to be dealing with people around this time and then it's going to kick in and that's going to take a back seat. Like, or it's going to be with him coping with living with Japanese soldiers and like maybe fighting them and stuff. I'm like, so I'm like, whatever this is, like this doesn't matter. Like this guy's inconsequential. And he still kind of is. is he <laughs> but he keeps coming back. It's it's a weird like it's a weird thread.
1: He came back one too many times, but mm-hmm. his his participation in the first half of the film I really liked.
0: Um, well, I'm noticing this in Asian cinema is that we keep trying to I think um the world of Kanako, I think it's the first movie that I've seen that does it well with all these different stories, like all these different characters and bringing them back. I think it does it really well in that movie. Whereas like Ichi the killer, like we, there's a little bit, there's too much, a little bit too much going on. Um, it does that? get muddled. Yeah. It, 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 we just kind of add in, we're trying to follow too many people. And I felt that in this movie as well. I'm like, I think like, there's, there's a little too much. Like you're throwing too many people at well, me.
1: See, that's actually, I think the secret brilliance, of this film and uh, the Yip Man, Yip Man series. Well, actually Donnie Yen's entire career. I'll be blunt. Um, uh, I mentioned it before. Donnie Yen, I don't think is that great of an actor. He never really has been. He's a martial artist first, actor second, big time. Um,
0: is he so bad? Is that why Guillermo no, didn't no.
1: He's, he's, <laughs> he's maybe on the same level as Scott Adkins. Uh, oh, maybe okay. a little better. Um, but the main difference is um donnie yen he has trouble headlining a film um all of his best movies where his name is you know where he receives top billing tend to be ensemble casts Mm -hmm. um he is he's that kind of tool it's like he can headline your film but his screen time has to be reserved for certain beats not the entire film and, like, a lot of the dramatic heavy lifting has to be relegated to other people. That's that's the best use of your Donnie Yen. Um, the movie I mentioned before, also directed by Wilson Yip, um, both movies I mentioned directed by the same guy, uh, SPL and Flashpoint. Donnie Yen is top billed. However, in terms of screen time, uh, he do, he isn't in that much of those movies. And that's, I think, for the best. Like, Flashpoint, he's, he's the problem solver. He's the Vinnie Jones. <laughs> uh, it's pretty great actually because the, the main character of that film uh, is like uh, think like Leonardo DiCaprio in The Departed he's playing that kind of role and it's he's like in emotional anguish all the time and you feel for him but when shit has to get done then you have Donnie Yen and he shows up when he needs to and when whenever the movie needs an action beat he's there yeah. and it's kind of the same with Ip Man where it's like you have all these secondary characters to push the story along and like emphasize the greater themes of the story and then you have Donnie Yen who shows up for the action scenes as like the instrument to move things along <laughs>
0: okay
1: oh before I forget um uh-huh. I, I mentioned Scott Adkins um it's worth mentioning he is going to be squaring off opposite Donnie Yen in Yip Man 4 um it's kind I of a know. dream come true uh- for someone like me I'm sure you couldn't give two shits, but for me, that's like, holy shit! <laughs> Something I never I would have thought it. would have happened.
0: Well, he's always like, Eat Man, like, how many are there? I'm like, there's a fourth, and I saw Scott Atkins. I'm like, of course, Scott Atkins is going to do um
1: So, yeah, um, um, Jin Shan Zhao, I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, Fancy Wong. Um, have you ever heard of the film uh, The Story uh, story of Ricky or Ricky O? Oh? Mm Oh, I might make you watch that. Um, mm. <laughs> it's a Chinese, like, gore film, but set in a prison okay. and involving martial arts. Um, okay. It's based on a Japanese comic, a manga, uh, so that'll give you an, an idea of what kind of gore is in the movie. So, like, head explosions, you know, intestines ripped out, things like that. But in the eighties and cheap. Okay. So, yeah, it's enjoyable. It's it's a ton of fun. It's stupid oh, cool. as fuck, but it's fun. But um, Fancy Wong played the lead in that, and he was like super jacked back then. This was like in the late '80s or early '90s, and then I never saw him again. And then he showed up in this in Yip Man, in 2008, and I was like, "Whoa, Riccio!" <laughs> and uh, yeah. I thought he gave a great showing. Um, so his character is um, oftentimes referred to as like the Northerner, and the idea is he's a uh, a foreign element in the town of Fulshan. And he shows up wearing, like, animal skins and, like, raggedy-ass robes. And he's got an entourage. He's got, like, a he pip looked, entourage.
0: He looks like he just got finished fighting Bruce Wayne.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, he looks like a member of the League of Shadows or something. Oh,
0: no, I'm saying like he was from that prison. That prison that he's fighting in. Oh. The, in that Batman Begins.
1: <laughs> and I am the devil. <laughs>
0: Is that the second one? Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> what now?
0: oh my goodness uh your your boy uh su wong Fong, fan fan su wong fan um <laughs> he is in a movie coming up with a guy named rudy youngblood and steven seagal oh, wouldn't you know it steven seagal yeah chinese attrition. connection attrition
1: oh he's made it's more a, than one with him then
0: different one It. Looks fantastic.
1: I think I've seen the trailer for that one. Um, Steven Seagal is wearing an outfit lifted directly from that Grandmaster movie I mentioned. Where mm-hmm. he's got like rounded sunglasses and like a, a button-up changbao or something. It's like all black, and he has a top hat.
0: <laughs> to do a Steven Seagal because honestly, like... yeah,
1: we need to pick one. It's going to be hard, but we need to find like the perfect one.
0: What's one that need to, like? We need to do. I think Under Siege is great, but we should do one of his new ones, like maybe Asian Connection, maybe Attrition, I don't know one that neither one of us have seen. Um, but I, one that
1: a lot into the sun. Into the sun is on Prime right now, and I haven't seen it. But it was like he was at the front end of his direct to video career. So okay. think like late nineties, two
0: thousand
1: five, two thousand five. Really, wow. Yeah. Um, I've heard it's not bad, especially since um. It's when he still gave a few fucks, and it, I think it was actually filmed in Japan.
0: He's got William Atherton.
1: Oh, no shit? hmm This man has no dick.
0: This man has no dick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> anyway, back to Ip Man. Um, so, Fancy Wong shows up in Foshan, and he immediately starts wrecking the house. Like he start, he, uh, it, I don't know what they call it in, in uh, Chinese. In Cantonese or Mandarin or whatever but in Japanese I have an expression uh, dojo yaburi um, literally like school break <laughs> like breaking the school <laughs> um, okay. it's a practice that I'm sure was common in China I, I know it was in Japan in ancient times but um, basically you increase your prestige by smashing someone else's school so you just mm-hmm. roll up on them and challenge the best guy they have Beat the shit out of him and then steal that school's students. So that's his plan. He decides to roll into town. He's obviously not coming from means, so he shows up and, in very quick, like very rapid succession, takes out two two different schools. Like take points. Points the finger at their masters. Whips their asses.
0: It's his business plan. Like that's what got him into business school. It was like, I'm gonna go beat the fuck out of some other. Uh, masters and I'm going to take over the dojos and then I'm going to make all the money. I want like to, I his... want to read his thesis.
1: <laughs> how to, how, how to expand your business in martial arts.
0: Yeah. That's legit. What his thought was. Yeah. So oh.
1: very similar to a uh, Rob Lowe's plan in Wayne's world, only involving punching Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. and martial arts schools instead of a cable access show or local access show. <laughs> Um so during all the commotion though um Yu shows up at Yipman's house while he's trying to have like a, a quiet morning, a quiet morning with his this, wife and his son. And he's like almost... Try- he's you can tell he's like ah oh, this kid sucks at art, but uh, I'm 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 going to look at it. I'm going to pretend I like it
0: <laughs> This was almost worse than when uh that scene in Mother. Oh, you haven't seen Mother yet. Oh, I have. Oh, you, you did watch it. Yeah. This is this was stressful for me. Like all of these people coming up to the house <laughs> very, very stressful. I'm like, get out of his house. Like you can't do that. You can't just waltz into somebody's <laughs> house. And yeah. I, I would figure culturally, like, they would be even less likely to do that, but I'm wrong, apparently. Yeah. Um,
1: so what happens is Jing Yu this happens actually in two separate waves. So Jing Yu shows up at at uh, Ipman's place, and says, "Hey, uh, there's this guy. Uh, like he's he's beating up our guys. He's making us look bad. And what I thought was particularly funny was Yipman's reaction is like barely contained, like excitement. Where he's like, mm-hmm. he's he's that tough, huh? <laughs> but That's he's tough. like, oh, but I got the wife and kid. <laughs> so he he doesn't leave. He stays at the house. And then uh, turns out." Master Liu gets taken out by by the Northerner. Mm-hmm. So now, like, all the major teachers in, in the village square have been taken out. And uh, Fancy Wong is, like, I think, enjoying some noodles with his entourage. And they're, like, talking about how, yeah, we're going to be the most badass martial artists in this town. We're going to make so much money. And then this old guy's like, you guys haven't Uncle- even beaten the best.
0: <laughs> I call him Uncle Noodle Maker. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Uh yeah, Uncle Noodle Maker's like, dude, you didn't you, you beat the punk like you beat the pipsqueaks like these guys are bitches like you didn't you didn't beat the best and he's just like he takes one more half bite of noodle and he's like all right let's go
1: yeah and, like, uh, one word he's just like let's go <laughs> he's like go
0: uh, <laughs> yeah so they end up just walking into they just kick yeah, the gate down basically
1: the entire fucking town shows up at Yipman's mansion.
0: I'm not missing that, I would too
1: <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> like, if I just saw some random guy show up in town beat a bunch of people up and then say I'm going to beat up the guy of course I'm going to show up Yeah,
0: and absolutely. there's no,
1: there's like no TV so, <laughs> I mean I think they only had radio so it's like if that
0: um, it'd so it'd like... you can
1: watch the guy playing the fucking stringed instrument on the street corner or you can go watch the fucking fight of the century <laughs> At a, be, at a mansion, no less, with servants.
0: It'd be like me telling you, like, look, I'm going to go try to tackle um, the Dominican Sioux, playing uh, <laughs> NFL player, like, I'm going to go tackle him. I'm going to tackle him real good. And you're gonna be like, oh, I'm going to watch this.
1: Well, yeah, it's like, what's the equivalent of a cell phone camera in 1935?
0: That's what you have. We're going to walk oh, over oh, here.
1: Oh, you bring, like, a, a fast sketch artist.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't. This was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I'd like to talk through this one. Oh, Um, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Jimmy. Um, So uh, they go in and Eatmon, he couldn't be any nicer. And if you look at a picture of him, like the actual guy, he does look sincerely like he was a nice guy. Mm -hmm. Like he, he seemed like he was a genuinely friendly guy. And... He's just like I don't want to fight you. Like the guy comes in, he's like, "You're the best. Fuck you. I want to fight you. Let's do it now." And Eatman is like, "I can't do it in here. There's not enough space. My wife doesn't want me to." And um, and it is true. Um, the martial art that he practices. What is this? What is uh, he practice? Wing Chun it is actually developed by two women. Mm-hmm. Um, I read the little story behind it. Um, so he's using that as like, "Oh, I heard you're a master of this. Women." came up with that and uh he he says something about his wife he's like you let your wife talk like that or something like that and he's like just shut up dude all right <laughs> his wife does not take it very well she's like don't break anything which i oh, was yeah.
1: no i love her reaction because she's actually the one who incites the fight like she's mm. the one who allows it she actually speaks for month, says hey buddy my husband's gonna kick your ass yeah. And then as she's turning around to leave the room, she looks at Yip Man. And she's says, like, don't break my stuff. <laughs> also, um, by the way, this actress, um, I forget her name, but, uh, she, there's a thing in Chinese cinema where they cast actors or actresses based on their looks. Sometimes mm-hmm. she is, I think a mainland person. Um, she's dubbed in all of these movies. So her voice is different in every movie. Um, anyway, uh, it's important to know that she has a couple of inches of height on him. <laughs> and like like when she commands the room, she commands the room pretty pretty well. <laughs> and when she tells him not to break her stuff, she means it.
0: <laughs> um
1: and yeah. <laughs> um it's funny actually uh, the way I summed up this little exchange was Fancy Wong clubber Langs Ip into fighting. <laughs> so if you've ever seen Rocky 3, it's basically the same thing. <laughs> Where Lang, uh coerces Rocky into fighting him.
0: Just talking, yeah, just talking shit. You want to talk some shit? Um, so yeah, they they end up uh, going at it. The cops find like the cops come up finally, and they like move most of the crowd out mm-hmm. of the uh, out of the place so that these guys can go at I mean, it. it. It's
1: a closed doors fight, just like mm-hmm. with Master Liu.
0: Uh, and they go, they go at it. You get some wire work, some tasteful wire work. Um, it's it's a it's a fun scene, and uh, I like every time he breaks something. He's like, I'll buy, I'll I'll pay. Yeah, the <laughs> and- northerner
1: keeps breaking furniture and and you know the vase and stuff. And every time he's like, I- I'll pay. <laughs> like, Let's just keep fighting.
0: I kind of like that about his character was that he was like. Yeah, he was talking some shit, but he was still like respecting his rules. He's like, "I'll pa- I'll-, I'll pay for it. It's fine. Like, I just want to fight you." And, um, I don't think he ever did. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see him. I don't pay think for it. he did. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but yeah, they go at it, and surprisingly, I I was like, "Okay, so maybe he's gonna be beaten here, and he has to
1: the Rocky 3 montage
0: format. Mo- montage his way into you know coming back, but." This isn't America. Um, that's not how we. That's not how they're doing the movie. So he ends up um, besting him almost perfectly, if I had to put it in yeah. a certain way. Yeah, the northerner uh,
1: doesn't land a single clean hit on him.
0: No, there's only two hits on uh, Don Ian's character in this whole movie, and uh, <laughs> basically, yeah. no, there actually is. They both I happen
1: at-, at the end, in mm-hmm. the last scene. <laughs>
0: um, but yes, he ends up. Fighting with a sword, and he's got the bamboo feather thing. Yeah. Uh, any scene with that thing is pretty yeah. funny because he even duster. he shushes the cop with it. He's <laughs> he starts to say something, he just puts it in his mouth <laughs> and walks. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just a really good it's a good fight good fight scenes, wire work, comedic. It's it's just got everything in it. It's it's good.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of great beats in there. Like I'm um, directly preceding the fight, I liked when uh, Lee the cop. Um, he actually whispers in Yipman's ear, like as he's like corralling the crowd and saying, like, everybody clear out. Let's let these guys settle things. Um, he actually like pulls Ip aside and he says, like, you have to redeem our honor, Ip. Like, our guys got our asses whipped and yeah. this guy's making a fool of us. So, again, that like greater good kind of theme starts to present itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the fight, Lee is always like trying to peek in, in the crack in the door to watch. Um, yeah. While he's supposed to be, you know, maintaining the crowd and stuff. But yeah, I I love a lot of the the, uh, physical acting between the the two combatants. Um, Fancy Wong, uh, his his eyes and eyebrows are so animated. Like, he's Mm -hmm. got those bug eyes. um, And he's allowed to be a lot more flashy than most of the other characters in the movie. Like, he's louder and more brash. So it makes for an interesting (laughs) dynamic. Because everyone else is mostly subdued, but he's very loud and very... Braggadocious.
0: He kind of reminded me of Chow Yun Fat a little bit. Um, a little bit. Just, just yeah. in his face.
1: Um, Chow Yun Fat had a. He's always had like a playfulness about him that's always made him very endearing. Um, but I love when uh, there's that beat where uh, some furniture gets broken and then there's a pause in the fight where. Uh, Ip Man's son comes out from behind the corner on a little tricycle and he says, Hey, mom says, like, all of our stuff's going to be broken if you don't start fighting for real. And uh, Ip Man has this trademark move that I think he does in all the movies. Um, he rolls up his sleeves in a particular fashion. And pretty much anytime he does that, you know the other person's about to get fucked. <laughs> and sure enough, that's what happens. Um, he goes from being purely defensive to going on the offensive. And with one swift head kick and a few punches in between. Uh, Fancy Wong goes down and the way he takes this fall, like his arm is just like splayed out on a chair that's beside him. It just looks nasty but I love that uh, like his entourage starts to pick him up and you see his eyes pop open so you can he like was passed out for a second and you can tell there's like surprise where he's like what the fuck just happened? <laughs> and sure enough right after that's when he brings out the sword and starts mm-hmm. to, you know, do some dirty pool, and, I,
0: uh... I do yeah. like where he has the sword in the hand, and he switches hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of slow. It's, it's a funny scene. Like, I think it's, it's, it's a really good it's
1: scene. Fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's a very good, fun yeah. scene, and it's there's something to be mentioned about the, the choreography in this movie. Um, it was done by Samuel Hung. Uh, you've probably seen him. Uh, Martial Law, the TV series. Um have you seen the jackie chan movie mr nice guy okay so samuel hong is a a rotund (laughs) fella um he went to chinese opera school with jackie chan he was like his like big brother figure there so that they were they were called like the three musketeers basically it was jackie chan samuel hong and yun biao jackie chan obviously became the most famous person in the world Samuel Hung though was like the big brother who always has something always has that little thing over him. Mm-hmm. Um, Samuel Hung is like one of the foremost choreographers in Hong Kong cinema um, and he has a deep like profound respect for individual Chinese martial arts and the differences between them and a uh, part of what made this the style in this film very distinct was that Wing Chun is not in a martial art you see in Film very often, and it has a different look and a different feel and different principles. Um, you know, kung fu usually you you think of like acrobatics and like spinning kicks and you know lots of flashy forms and arm gestures and stuff. Wing Chun is very linear, and basically doesn't have too many kicks that come above the waistline. Yeah. Um, and it, it also has like grappling techniques that are typically foreign to like kung fu and things like that. Anyway, um, it's maybe not as it's maybe not as apparent for someone who isn't as experienced watching these movies, but the stylistic difference between Ip Man and all the other martial artists in the film, there is an aesthetic difference between his movements and that of the other people. And uh, it especially shows with like the Japanese martial artists, but the point I'm trying to make here that I'm trying to arrive at is that the uh, the energy of the fight sequences in the first half of this film are very different from the second half, because mm-hmm. there's there's like a playful quality to the first half. Basically, any fight scene involving other like two Chinese people fighting is radically different from like a Chinese person fighting a Japanese person. And even the color palette of the film becomes much harsher in the second half. Well, uh, it, so like it, this scene is a fight. Like there's contact being exchanged and people are getting knocked out, but the violence isn't as apparent
0: well this is also before japan invades exactly. so after this fight i think that's pretty much what happens next it's is
1: almost japan... it's like two scenes later yeah um, basically we get a scene following the northerner's defeat where he leaves ashamed and we get a really neat line from Ip Man, where uh, uh when he has the northerner at his mercy um fancy wong says to him like you're your Southern style has defeated my Northern Kung Fu, that mm-hmm. classic like Shaw brothers bullshit. And Yip yeah. actually just like stares him straight down and says, North or South doesn't matter. The problem is you. And he's, I thought that was very poignant.
0: He's like your Southern style beat my Northern style. And he's like, it's not about style is what he says. He's
1: like, It's you're the problem here. Not you, not style. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was really neat. Um, but yeah, um, we get a cute scene where a, uh, Yitman is doing his best Rocky Balboa impression, walking through the market, and people are like handing him gifts and stuff. But the, the things that he's carrying through the market are a vase and a new feather duster. Like, yeah. basically, he's replacing all the shit that got smashed. And, and then um, cool. Simon Yam and like basically the whole town shows up at his mansion, like wanting him to teach them. And then we tilt up to a shot of the sky. And all the color gets washed out, and we get a, a few lines of text, a, a very badly CGI'd uh, biplane. And, uh, yeah, the Japanese show up in 1937, yeah. and they, so I they uh, occupy Foshan and most of China.
0: So I wasn't sure how far the movie was going to go at this point, so I had to look up a little bit about um, Mao. Um, oh, Mao Zedong. that's dated, um, but yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how far this was going. Like, I kind of need to know because this, because this was still like um, uh, when China was still dealing with ancestralism, oh, and that's oh, yeah. and that Mao definitely he did away with the whole thing it was before the uh,
1: great leap forward.
0: I yeah, the, the great leap forward in the Cultural Revolution. I every time I just needed like I needed to know if that's where it was going to pick up after Japanese occupation, I wasn't sure how far this was going to go into his life Um, because that would have been culturally, culturally significant for Mal to come into come into play in this movie. Like, like things were going to change. So Um, I won't get into it, but I just forget every time I read about Mal, I'm like, holy crap, the shit he did. My goodness.
1: There's a reason why that shit doesn't get committed to film.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, Chinese I, uh, yeah. Chinese
1: government's very sensitive about things like that, and if they're going to talk about, it, they're going to make sure they talk about the right parts of it. If you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so at this point, I don't have um, a whole lot of notes because this is kind of uh, I know what kind of I know what part of the movie this is, um, but it's a little different than most movies. This is usually like the learning and the montage time, but this is.
1: Well, both of those elements are in here. Yes, but there- but very uh, subdued. Like it's it's dialed back quite a bit.
0: Well, I was surprised that this movie didn't focus on, like I said, Japanese and Chinese relations during a war. Mm.
1: They, mm. <laughs> there, there are no relations. <laughs> it's it's very black and white. There there is no relating to be done here. So the Japanese occupy Foshan. Um, it's mentioned that Ipman's home, his mansion, is confiscated and is actually used as Japanese military HQ in Foshan, which yeah. fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, we're shown him and his family, so his, his wife and his son. Um, they live in a bombed out building of some sort, Russia, basically. <laughs> um, and uh, everybody's starving. It's a, it's a shit situation for everyone. And um, we see some scenes of them. Living through their hard times, like I said, the color palette during the second half of the film is mostly gray. All the mm-hmm. colors, just all the life, is drained from it for the most part, and it's effective. As is the soundtrack, which I I must mention, uh, it's done by a ironically enough uh, Japanese composer uh, Kenji Kawai. Like despite all the anti-Japanese sentiment in the film, Japanese composer mm-hmm. for the entire series, uh, he's a fantastic composer. Um, I. I mentioned it on the catching up on Blu-ray recording that we just did. Uh, Mamoru Oshii, he's a mostly does uh, anime. Um, mm. Kenji Kawaii is like his his guy. Like he composes everything he does, basically. And he's like this movie was hard to.
0: This movie was hard to watch because there was um, there was English subtitle or English caption or like um, ADR. Sorry, uh, dubbing. Um, so I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to watch it in the original Mandarin or Cantonese, Cantonese whatever it was. Yeah. Cantonese. Yeah. And it was still dub. And I'm like, okay. And I couldn't hear the music. Like I had it, this thing turned up almost all the way up and I couldn't hear anything. Wow. So, That's yeah. That's a shame. I, I couldn't, I could hardly, so I was basically just watching this almost on silent with the subtitles on. Damn, that um, sucks. Yeah, I couldn't hear anything. It's
1: really the score in all of these movies is, Excellent.
0: I could yes. hear it if I watched it in English, but I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do the. Aww. At least it was close with the dub, but. Well, anyway, English... um,
1: have have you seen Cinderella Man?
0: No.
1: Oh, um, I might make you watch that at some point. <laughs> um, That's so a crow. A lot of this, a lot of this, um, a lot of these sequences with Iman and his family um, struggling to survive, basically. Um, reminded me of Cinderella Man because Cinderella yeah. Man takes place in the Great Depression and there's a lot of scenes of them in some very rough times while his career is kind of in the dumpster.
0: Mm-hmm. It,
1: I think it's I think it's very difficult to separate the two films in, in this way. I mean, they're, they're completely separate films, but these scenes really reminded me of that and I don't think Cinderella Man came out that much. It, I think it came out like four years prior um <clears throat> Anyway, uh, during all this, though, we learned that Simon Yam, Yipman uh, actually gave him the loan to open the factory. Mm-hmm. And the Japanese have allowed him to continue producing clothing and stuff. So he's very important to the community because most of the factories were either destroyed or shut down. So the majority of the townsfolk uh, work there. Um, Simon Yam tries to get Yipman to work there because uh, just like in Cinderella Man. Yipman um, goes to work like on demand at a job site, so it's basically mm-hmm. first come, first serve. You show up in the foreman points at whoever he wants to work with you. Um, but Yipman refuses the steady job in favor of doing like the on demand labor, mm-hmm. which he gets because the foreman recognizes him and and his reputation in town. Um, He's and, also
0: a bunch of other masters as well.
1: Yeah, um, it's actually kind of interesting. Like um, when Yipman is working as like a coal shoveler, basically. Um, yeah. uh, everybody's covered in soot, so it's a little hard to tell, but pretty much all the other martial artists in town are working there as well. And yeah. you know, he's reunited with Jing Yu, uh, the guy who wanted to be his disciple. Um, and I think this is when uh, Lee is reintroduced in the story. And this is where he starts to become the, the interesting character that I hinted at. Right. Um, yeah. So Lee, the former cop, uh, rolls up in some jeeps with uh, Sato, Colonel Sato, uh, Japanese Japanese military, and uh, they're there to recruit martial artists uh, to spar with the Japanese soldiers. And uh, Jing Yu, being the uh, young, rambunctious fellow he is, uh, says, "Sign me up." and Ip Man's like, "Ah." Uh, I don't know. This seems a little suspect.
0: <laughs> they offer them rice. That's the other yes, thing. They're they starving. Offer them,
1: they're awesome. They offer them rations of rice uh, for their participation.
0: Yeah, they're doing physical labor, so they're like, "Yeah, you can just come fight for and, some rice."
1: And everyone's okay. starving, so it's yeah. very—it's a very attractive offer.
0: There's an there's a nice line that um, Ipman says. Um, his son asks him, "He's like, Dad, you don't why don't you practice anymore?" And he says, "Well, because." practicing makes me hungry and we don't have enough food for me to do it basically and I just oh, man, that's just it I, I that line kind of because I'm an I'm an exerciser you're an exerciser and like that's something that when I think about like shit hitting the fan and we're like do it there's famine like we don't have enough food and I'm like I'm, like I might not be able to exercise that often like I'm just gonna be just so worried about getting food and I'm like man it's true. That's really what does happen. <laughs>
1: well, it's it's a beautiful instance of, like, sugarcoating, like, the weight of the world, for your mm-hmm. for your child. Um, there's that movie, Life Is Beautiful, the Italian movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the entire premise of the story. It's like, yeah. um, you know, fascism has taken over, you know, Italy and and most of Europe, in fact, and uh, this father has to like. Go to a prison camp with his son and pretend that everything's going to be all right.
0: Isn't that what *Pan's Labyrinth* is kind of yeah, like? Uh, except
1: that's Spanish.
0: I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, uh, but been... Spanish fascism, same
1: difference. <laughs> um, but yeah, same concept, kind of. Uh, except for it's a girl um, doing that for herself, kind of like shielding herself from from you know the harshness of the world. And it's it's a really good line that Imán says. I like that because it's like it's a legit question and i need to answer it but i don't want to crush my son's spirit (laughs) it's like like times are fucking
0: tough is that a thing
1: Ah. Uh, um so jing Yu uh before he leaves mentions that he lost a box like he has an iron box that he lost somewhere at the job site and uh he goes off in the jeeps with lee uh, who, like I said, is now an interpreter for the Japanese, um, and Colonel Sato. And then uh, I think we cut to the, the training hall where it's like a gymnasium with a, with a, with a basically like a, a mat laid out where there's a whole bunch of Japanese soldiers dressed up in their karate gis. And uh, I think we see Master Liu uh, fighting a Japanese soldier, and he wins. And he is, in fact, rewarded with a bag of rice. And he just takes off. And um, uh, the I guess you'd call him the chief antagonist of the film is introduced at this point. Although it's, I think it's too little, too late. Um, mm-hmm. It's a uh, general Miura, uh, played by Hiroyuki Ikeuchi, um, who is a Japanese actor. Um, as far as his martial arts background is concerned, uh, he's a judoka, so he does throws trips and throws and stuff um for most of his scenes in this movie as far as i could tell he was mostly doubled um so pretty much anything involving like aerial work or like spinning kicks and stuff i think was a stuntman and it actually i think hurts the choreography of his scenes because everything is shot very tight it's like one or two movements and it's framed much more tightly than everything else in the film and it hurts the fluidity a little bit um, anyway uh, Master Liu leaves and we see that this General Miura character who Sato is deferring to because Colonel General um, is observing all the fights and decides to step onto the mat himself uh, right when Yu shows up and the other two masters who the Northerner had defeated earlier in the film uh, so Miura takes on the three of them and pretty much in one hit knocks them all on their asses and uh, Jin Yu, being a complete fucking idiot, <laughs> keeps on getting up. And he gets the piss beaten out of him and starts spitting up blood and stuff. And the other two masters are just laying on the mat, like, in defeat. Like, they've just kind of resigned themselves to, like, yeah, we lost. We'll go oh. home. Everything will be fine. But Jin Yu keeps getting up, and they tell him stay down. And what would you think of, like the, like, the editing and, like, the the choreography when Gene Yu's getting killed?
0: (laughs) It's pretty brutal. Like, you can feel it. Um, At this point, I'm like, I'm just like, okay, this is the most brutal part, and this is going to be the motivation. Like, this is... I had to figure out, like, what's going to happen next. I'm like, he's going to get killed, and that's going to piss off Eatmon, basically. Um, But, yeah, I, I think it was pretty good um what does he he does he break a leg here no 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 eat breaks the leg i'm sorry oh yeah Yeah. mom breaks the leg
1: breaks many things (laughs) yeah Um, yeah, Jingyu is it's funny like the thing that stood out to me he basically gets brutalized but and he finally goes down from like a kick like to the collarbone basically he goes flying backwards but the way he he lands he's like yanked back on wires in slow motion and he does like an aerial splits Mm -hmm. it just leaves his legs hanging out like that and it just looks like he crushes his package when he hits the (laughs)
0: ground. somebody does get their nuts hit at one point because i remember the one dude's holding his nuts i think it's uh the one that gets shot in the head i think it's that guy oh Oh.
1: yeah so pretty much like the following scene i actually thought it was almost laughable the way it was edited so jinyu dies on the mat basically and uh the very next scene is dunny at home and his wife's like cleaning him up because he's covered in soot and he's like she's like how was your day and he's like oh yeah it was pretty good uh, i saw jinyu there i didn't expect to see him again <laughs> it's like 10 seconds earlier we saw him die <laughs> yeah like that's fucked up man yeah um, and then we get like pretty much the centerpiece of the movie, I think, right after that. It was that uh, mm. uh, Man goes back to the job site? Uh, Jing Yu obviously isn't there. Uh, in the meantime, uh, he finds the iron box and turns out fucking little brother's kite is in it. Oh my mm. god, the fields. And uh, Lee shows up again uh, with Colonel Sato and is calling for more martial arts to go to the the training hall and Yip Man keeps repeatedly asking Li like where is Jin Yu and he won't tell him so he aggressively decides to just like go with him regardless of whether he wants to come wants him to come or not and then we get the the 10 on 1 fight Mm -hmm. Uh, but not before Master Liu gets shot in the fucking brain yeah for no reason whatsoever
0: oh no reason this
1: Colonel Sato character has like impulse control problems man
0: What's his... Yeah, the guy with the glasses. Yeah. Um,
1: like, he's got issues.
0: Hey, man, he's Japanese. I mean... <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I don't know what the Chinese filmmakers were trying to say here, but, I mean, they're trying yeah. to say something. Well,
1: what's funny is if you pull up, like, his IMDb, uh, Tenma Shibuya is the actor's name. Um, he only has 10 credits, and most of these are Chinese films, and at Ooh. least half of them are... Uh, like, from the occupation years. Mm. So I'm guessing, like, maybe he's, like, the guy you call if you want, like, an evil Japanese actor. Gotcha. A a Japanese to be portrayed in an intensely negative light from a certain time period. (laughs) Because I don't imagine there are too many Japanese actors lining up to take on those
0: roles. (laughs) Mm.
1: Um, So, yeah, uh, at the training hall, Master Liu um, fights three black belts all at the same time. Loses and uh, expects to just go home and Sato shoots him in the back of the head for no fucking reason. Um, We get a neat shot of his head falling on a bag of rice, uh, which his blood splatters on, which is kind of cool. And there's a a lot of lingering shots of a yam that Yipman has. I think it's the food that they uh, they issue them at the job site. And Uh he, he keeps squirreling away yams to bring home. And so... Itman sees this execution and is super pissed. And uh, before he steps onto the mat, though, they, we have this lingering shot of him like setting his yam down <laughs> like very gingerly. <laughs> he's like, oh, I better not damage the yam before I wreck people.
0: <laughs> I think it uh, might have something to do with his family in that like,
1: it shows him... that he's still factoring them in, regardless of where his emotional state is. It's like this is still about preserving yeah. the family unit you know yeah but um what'd you think of the the 10 10 on one fight because it is kind of like the I centerpiece it, of the whole movie
0: i knew it was gonna be a big deal because i looked up eat man and i saw that this scene was like one of the first videos that shows up so when i saw that thumbnail basically on the screen I'm like okay time to pay attention again um this is gonna be uh this is gonna be fun and it's 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 good and I knew it was going to be like he's just going to run through all 10 of these guys um, like just easily. Like doesn't even break a sweat. He doesn't even breathe hard. Um, At <laughs> no point does he breathe hard <laughs> in any fight. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's murking them. And this time, like you said, he just rolls up the, yeah, rolls right up the sleep. Right
1: from the get-go.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, beats the shit out of them. And then they throw him ten bags of rice and then he doesn't take any of them he just takes the one bag that has the blood on it yep. um this is um why didn't he take the bags of rice to his family or take like a bag of rice that doesn't have blood <laughs> on it back to his family like what a dick yeah. um
1: uh, it was, i mean it's symbolic but yeah um practically speaking it's like you know there are a lot of people who like Right behind that gate, like 10 feet behind you, there are people just like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> it's like, if he won't take uh, him, I will.
0: And oh, This yeah. is when Lee, come, Lee comes up to him, and this is basically where he... Ipman loses his cool on him. He's like, he slaps him, and I even wrote down, bitch slap. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he had that coming. Um, basically calls him a traitor, because he's a... He's a um, an interpreter for, um, the Japanese military. Uh, and we know what he's doing. Like, you know what he's doing. Um, basically he's, uh, uh, there's a term for, this was was something that, um, Jewish people would do in, um, the concentration camps. They would work for the guards and they were hated. They were hated by the other, um, In the uh, in the camps, and this is what he's basically doing, is oh no no I'm an interpreter I'm not a traitor I'm I'm just doing this and he's like fuck you pop get your shit together you're a fucking Chinese dude um, yeah
1: well I I thought this scene was very crucial to the, like the dramatic impact of the story I guess um, right before that the um, as Yip Man is leaving the gymnasium uh, General Miura actually steps onto the mat and. Says so like, please come back. Um, I was very impressed with you. Basically, he doesn't actually tell him he's impressive because that would be giving him too much. But he does explicitly say come back. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, every time Lee is interpreting for the Japanese, um, there's always he's always spinning things.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he's always spinning
1: things, sugar coating things for the Japanese and like being brut- brutally honest with the Chinese. <laughs> um, so when. Miura asks um, what Ip name is. Um Yip Man turns around, and just says, "I'm just another Chinese." Mm-hmm. And uh, we get a cool theme music sting as he leaves the room in silence. And uh, uh, Lee actually just says, "His name's Yip Man. <laughs> so like, Um Man," uh, to maintain that like, "Oh, he's being polite." Um, he's he's basically trying to help Ip Man. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this scene where where uh, the two of them where Yipman and Lee uh, have their exchange. Um, I thought it was very effective cuz you can tell, I mean, from the strength of uh, of Lee's performance that like he's conflicted. Like you can tell that in his mind it's like, yes, this is what I have to do to survive. But Yipman can't follow him. He's like what oh. you're doing is uh, you're you're betraying your own people. And the most poignant moment, though, may—I'm um, not sure if you caught this—but as Ip is leaving, like they don't talk much. It's mostly just Lee yelling at him as he's walking away from him. But um, when he's like, trying to reason with Ipman, like yelling, like I'm just doing this to survive and stuff. He, the last thing he says to him is, "I'm I'm Chinese, just like you," except he says it in Japanese. Mm-hmm. And it's like ooh. <laughs> like maybe maybe you've gone too deep or something. Um, I
0: didn't even catch that that it was in Japanese. Yeah,
1: I thought it was significant it's like, oof, <laughs> it's like you've got two brains working at the same time. But yeah, after this is when uh, the Northerner is reintroduced in the story, and I think it's actually the weakest part of the whole movie.
0: Mm.
1: Um, everything having to do with the factory, basically.
0: Yeah, it's um, so, neither. There. the
1: northerner is reintroduced in the film um and he has the little brother so Yu's little brother that little shit yeah um, in tow so they've joined together with a, a group of bandits and they hijack a truck that they ride back to the factory and they make some demands for money that the factory doesn't have so they say uh we'll be back yes. <laughs> and then we get that that uh that montage that you you mentioned um, that you had expected more of, I guess. Mm. Um, what happens is, uh, Yip man, after having beaten the shit out of 10 Japanese and essentially getting nothing for his troubles, um, hits like an epiphany where it's like, man, I'm good at punching people, but ultimately that can't, ac- that isn't accomplishing much in the long run. Uh, so Simon, he talks with Simon Yam, the factory owner and, uh, Decide and they come to an agreement that's like, huh, maybe we can work together. Um, I can teach the factory workers martial arts, and they'll, you know, get some confidence and be able to defend themselves from these bandits who are threatening to come back. Um, In between all this, we get some scattered scenes of I think uh, the Japanese basically trying to convince Ipman to fight uh, General Mura, or at least come back to the gym. Because the, mm-hmm. the end goal here is they want Yipman man to train the troops. They want yip man yeah. to teach the Japanese Chinese martial arts. Um, I think this is when uh, Sato shows up at Yip-Man's home. Uh, do you remember this scene? No. Uh, well, um, basically what happens is Colonel Sato shows up and he's pointing a gun, like playfully, at Yip-Man's son, who doesn't realize that this is a live gun. (laughs) And Ipman beats the crap out of him, as well as uh, a couple other troops. And in between all this, Lee, uh, like when Sato is unconscious, uh, squirrels Ipman away and and hides him in his own home.
0: Oh, that's why they come to the factory looking for him. Okay. That makes sense. Okay.
1: Yeah. And so in between all this, um, I like the scene where Lee... Uh, has Ipman in his home because, like Lee's family is there. I think it's his mom at least. And throughout this whole movie, Lee's face is just bashed in. Like mm-hmm. by the end of the movie, his face is just a mess of bruises and scar tissue because yes. he's getting it from both ends. Like slapping him, Colonel Sato's beating the shit out of him. Like every other scene, and he never seems to clean up. Like, like I think he just like refuses to wash his face or something. <laughs> But yeah, then we get the factory fight scene that I thought was the most useless fight in the whole
0: movie. Yeah, it was pretty stupid. Um, There's just, nobody...
1: It's just mostly unremarkable. Like The only really significant thing is that the factory workers fight back. Yeah. But none of it... That's,
0: that's all the montage is, is him showing them how to fight, and then even after that, they don't fight well. They still get, they still get hit they still get beat up like it's in it doesn't matter they just still get beat up and this is where he fights um um the northerner again is when they're yeah with a
1: a laundry pole
0: yeah Um, uh, it's you
1: know it's a cleverly choreographed scene um it's not executed as well as pretty much anything else in the movie um the one thing that was kind of neat here though is um the northerner and him have an exchange before they start fighting basically the northerner explains to him that i showed up at Fulshan starving and poor and the entire reason i came here was to prevent that and so basically he's justifying himself he's saying that the reason i'm a bandit now is because i'm just i just never want to be hungry again Whereas Ibmanyo came from means and is only in these circumstances recently. Whereas this guy's like, I came from a totally different part of the country chasing a dream and just not wanting to be hungry anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: like, Jap- Japanese occupation aside, it's like, you kicked me out of town last time I was here. It's not going to happen again. So, it adds some dimension to the character that easily could have just been like a throwaway, just like action beat character. Yeah. But. Long story short, um, uh, there's actually like a weird um, offhand comment that I thought was really stupid and actually kind of harms the sequel, um, which you probably won't end up watching. But um, it's revealed that the Northerner, after he's defeated at the factory, um, is the one who rats Ipmon out to the Japanese. it's, It's mentioned offhand that he's the one who told them where he was. So the Japanese come to the factory and they apprehend him and force him into fighting General Miura. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get a couple of good scenes here where uh, Yipman is served food and he refuses to eat it.
0: I knew as soon as he brought that food in, I'm like, he's not eating that food. I'm telling you right now, he's not going to eat that food.
1: <laughs> I really like that uh, he pushes it back to Miura. And he says, I think he says, like, stop being hypocritical.
0: Because,
1: mm-hmm. um, and it makes sense. He's like, because General Miura is always talking in this high, like, he has his, his, his head held high all the time. He's always speaking from a position of authority and, and correctness. Like, he has a regal, stoic nature about him. Um, but Donnie like, says to him in Cantonese, so they can't understand each other like so you show up you kill our people you take over our town and then you want to talk about like honor and like righteousness and stuff and then you want to feed me it's like you're you're contradicting yourself stop it like it, it's it's a bad look for anyone <laughs> um and in between all this we get some dialogue exchange where it's it's clear that um Sato has the Japanese reputation in the back of his mind where it's like in general i know you want to prove how strong you are and stuff but should you lose uh, it's gonna make us look bad mm-hmm. like us as a people as an empire and again that that theme of like reputation and saving face and stuff enters into the picture um i really love the scene when uh when they apprehend ipman because uh i don't know if you caught this but when uh when miura is uh standing over him and like asking him to train the Japanese troops, the way he presents himself, he's just so goddamn proud, mm-hmm. and he has he has no shame.
0: <laughs> this is where I think Eatmon like pushes him over, does something to him, and he he goes nuts. He's like he's about to fucking shoot him in the head. He's like you just saw that. He just tried to he just tried to hit me. Like I'm fucking shooting him in the head, and he's like no 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 calm down yeah. calm down. He's not having it, dude. Like he does not like eat Mon at all. He just wants to kill him.
1: <laughs> S- Sato, like I said, has some impulse control problems that are like very much. You never give that man a stick, like because <laughs> he will swing it.
0: It's interesting. Um, I think you should look into watching the Man in High Castle. Uh, I watched if you heard, he... oh, you watched the first episode. Long time. Ago. Um, you, should, you should keep watching it. Um, it's it's really interesting, especially um, who. Um, Luke uh, um, uh, and
1: Oh, Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa.
0: Yeah, he's a main he's a, he's a main character in this show, and it, I I think you would like the the Japanese thread of the show. I think it's well, I think it's all really interesting. Um, I've but... heard
1: very good things. Man, I I have a weird relationship when it comes to that particular era of Japanese
0: history. <laughs> well, it, it's not Japanese history. That's the thing it's it's theoretical this is all I, I know
1: I, I know but like the the imagery and the feel of it it's it's just always difficult because like i'm I'm a hundred percent American but mm-hmm. and yet you know my cult like blood heritage I guess it's it's still it's still difficult sometimes it's I still feel an element of like shame regarding all that stuff that had nothing to do with me or my family
0: I but, understand but' it, it's
1: it's weird i can't quite explain it
0: that's why when i was in japan they're like do you want to go to go see hiroshima or nagasaki i'm like no i don't want to see <laughs> that at all i don't <laughs> I, I felt like it was disrespectful I'm like I, no i tried
1: to watch the, the ken burns documentary about world war Two. Mm-hmm. i mean he's a fantastic documentarian but i couldn't even get past the 1930s like it, it was all because of the stuff happening in the Pacific, because I, I, I know what I know, and it's like, it's all bad. None of it's, none of it's good stuff.
0: <laughs> well, it's actually interesting. Um, so they were, during this time when this movie was taking place, Japanese occupation, um, post-World War II, we would go straight into um, Chinese Civil War. If yep. I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then that's when um the, the PRC comes up with uh Mal. Um but yeah that uh, the Man High Castle. I think you should you should try to revisit it. Maybe <laughs> Just...
1: I will, because I have heard very good things from a lot of people.
0: It's it's a really fascinating show. I think it's it's really interesting. And the the main the main villain is um from Dark the guy from Dark City. He's also in oh, a Ruf- night's Rufus
1: State. Sewell?
0: Mm-hmm. He is really good in the show um he's he's got he might
1: good evil face
0: he might be the best character in the whole show um but i also like shang song but anyway um
1: (laughs) johnny tsunami's grandpa (laughs) from the disney channel movie (laughs) um so yeah uh the fight is on uh they built they like erect a stage in the center of town where we began the film
0: I appreciate that because they really spent a lot of time erecting this, uh, this, this town square. Like this, this was really good, and I like all the signs. Like it, it's it's neat because when you are going down like the the street, you can see all the signs like you would in like modern day, um, modern day Hong Kong or something like that. Just like clustered and, and congested, and it was just kind of neat how they recreated. It. I wanted to see pictures from that time too to see how much of it looks similar um, but I like,
1: like one of the bigger pluses in a in the Donnie Yen and Wilson Yip uh Yipman movies uh the production values like the set design and the music and the costuming and stuff mm-hmm. um the other Yipman movies are noticeably cheaper and have less attention to detail um, but um Yipman 2 moves the story to Hong Kong and again the presentation of the city is a is a highlight. It's really neat. Well, I
0: don't, as much as this was this was originally thought of to be a, this was only supposed to be a one and done. It felt like with the ending.
1: Um, I think it was. I I, I really think it wasn't intended to be a series.
0: Um, this thing won. Like, this thing won a lot of awards and a lot it had a lot of nominations too. Oh, a nomination.
1: I think it's a very <laughs> a nominations. A nom- <laughs> Depacketated de- nominations. De- um,
0: uh-huh.
1: it's, I mean, I, I hold it in very high regard as a very approachable uh, martial arts film. Like it, it, the, most of the storytelling is very elemental. Um, it crosses language and culture boundaries where it's just like anybody can watch this and understand why the characters feel the way they do. Anybody can watch it and appreciate the martial arts. It's, it, has a, it has a wide like universal appeal.
0: Um, um, this final fight scene I was surprised at how short it was to be honest with you
1: me too, <laughs> I think everyone uh, it's very anticlimactic in that way mm-hmm. um, I think part um, of it may have had to do with the, the actor um, not being the type of martial artist that they needed to do these, this kind of choreography um, so you, I mean there's only so many shots you can do behind the back and, and even the editing is very tight
0: He's not that great, honestly. Um, Like he's not scary at all. I mean, his his he's supposed to be kind of intimidating. Like I don't find him intimidating at all. Like, why didn't you just spend the money and get like an actual martial artist, like somebody who can go toe to toe with Donnie Yen? I think that I don't
1: think that was the point. Um, To me, it's it's a it's a little flat like i would have appreciated a better finale because i mean that's how i like my movies with the big fight at the end um but seems like the the main aim of the story was like go china and the most effective way to do that is have their guy you know whip ass (laughs) i gotta i'll be right back (laughs) sorry you were saying
0: um i don't remember
1: okay well um the one point that i wanted to say about the the final fight is uh uh donnie yen has a little bit of steven seagal in him (laughs) um what i mean by that is um there's one thing about steven seagal uh fight sequences that is universal across nearly every movie he's ever done is that steven seagal doesn't take hits
0: no <laughs>
1: yeah uh, i think the the most um, the most uh, hits i've seen landed on him was in marked for death and most of most of the damage done to him was obviously being uh, being done to I a do stunt a double no it, it was a stunt double like doing all the bumps and stuff um donnie yen has a bit of that in him uh Traditionally, most of his movies, he, he doesn't play like an underdog character. Um, it's, yeah. it's rare to see him take a beating in a film. And uh, it's, it's a consistent theme across his filmography. So um, that could have been a factor in the, in the way the drama was presented in the finale of this movie.
0: Well, in American, I think in American action movies or just in, in general, we don't celebrate skill. More or less, we celebrate toughness. Like think about Mel Gibson movies. Like you can lay that man a beating, but he's he's so much tougher than you that he's gonna come out on top. Well, yeah, Rocky. Um, I mean,
1: Rocky's yeah. never been the best, but he's the guy who just hangs in there and gets you in the end.
0: Wasn't it the whole thread in uh, Raging Bull was that Jake LaMotta? Like you could just keep punching him and punching him. He's like, eh, I'm fine. Don't do that to me.
1: Yeah, no, he was a supremely tough individual. Um, He was also noted for playing possum a lot of times, so he would allow himself to take those beatings uh, to sucker people into getting in too close or letting their guard down.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But yeah, a lot of times, yeah, it's kind of a theme in in American cinema in particular.
0: Um, We don't have skills. We just have, yeah, we may not be good at it, but you're not going to beat us at it.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean the the line from Raging Bull is "You never knocked me down, Ray. You never knocked me down. <laughs> you never got me down." Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's more of a Donnie End thing, to be honest. Because uh, I mean, like, look at Jackie Chan. He he gets off on playing a bit of a martyr at times too. Like
0: he he, he gets he, hit though.
1: Yeah, Jackie Chan like he revels in it. Like he he loves getting knocked around.
0: <laughs> he's 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 very skillful but also he's very tough so he's that's why we loved him so much in america
1: mm-hmm. and then there's a uh, bruce lee who was he typically didn't get knocked around too much in his movies except in like the finale and then like he would it would be like a first half second half kind of affair where it's like Graham abdul jabbar has him for a bit in the first half and then it's all bruce and then chuck norris has him a bit in the first half and then it's all bruce
0: well, this is a perfect time to bring up um, the significance of Ip Man and uh, Bruce Lee was that um, Bruce Lee was a pupil of Ip Man. And I read that there was a whole bunch more that were directly uh, trained by him. I have no idea who any of them are. I've never heard of a single one of them. The only one I know, of course, is Bruce Lee. And they actually mentioned it at the end of the film. Um, but that's kind of what I thought of with this movie. I was like, he's not taking any hits He's not breaking a sweat. It doesn't even look like he's trying. And I'm thinking back to, like, End of the Dragon. I'm like, that's kind of how Bruce Lee's character is. Like, he just doesn't – he just takes on everybody easily. And I thought maybe that was kind of keeping into that thread. Like, Bruce Lee was so good, so Eatmon was so much better. Like, you couldn't do anything to him. Like, that's how good he really was. But that's, that's what I – Register that was. I didn't think it was a Donnie Yen thing, but then again, I don't know Donnie Yen that well.
1: Well, no, I mean it—it it could be that, especially since um, it's actually almost a joke at this point. They've been trying to worm uh, Bruce Lee into the story of this series since day one, basically. So mm-hmm. every time one of these sequels comes out, uh, it's understood that there's probably not going to be another one. So we get the first movie, and then it ends. Uh, the very last scene in the movie is like a. A text and photo montage of of it being explained to us that Ip Man, by the way, he trained Bruce Lee, like the most famous Chinese martial artist in in the world.
0: If you go into the movie not knowing that, like, oh, that's an interesting way to end the movie. I mm-hmm. thought that was it. I already knew that beforehand, but I yeah. thought it was an. Interesting way to end
1: it. And then we get to Ip Man two, and the ending sequence is a uh, Ip Man in his home, cool. and a little boy comes into his home. And, and is doing a Bruce Lee impression and says, "I want to learn how to be tough." And Ip Man tells him, and I, supposedly this is based on true events. He tells him, "Like come back when you're older." And well, then Man Three opens with an adult Bruce Lee coming to visit him again and again, him being turned down.
0: Well, Ip Man actually didn't didn't directly um, teach him. It was actually his immediate one of his pupils because Ip Man was very old when uh, Bruce Lee was there.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, he would have been very
0: old by then. Mm-hmm. He showed him some shit, but it wasn't him <laughs> smacking around. <laughs> yeah,
1: so supposedly, now that we're finally at Eatmon 4, um, supposedly, and they say this every time they make another one of these, um, supposedly the plot is centered around uh, Bruce Lee opening a school, or yeah, Bruce Lee like opening a school in San Francisco or something, and a much older Eatmon. It's supposed to take place in the U.S. and Bruce Lee's finally supposed to be an element in the story.
0: Who's playing Bruce Lee? Is it Scott Atkins?
1: Um, he's a fella that he was. I think he was in Shaolin Soccer, and he he's noted for looking like Bruce Lee.
0: Okay, I saw Shaolin Soccer. Um, I didn't he's want. The,
1: that. He's the goalie from Shaolin Soccer. Okay. Um, I forget his name, but he's noted for appearing like Bruce Lee, and gotcha. he, he was in Ip Man Three. And I guess he's confirmed to be in the fourth one. Um, I uh, so I'm actually excited um, for whenever they release a trailer for it because it's supposed to be right around the corner.
0: I tried watching the uh, the Bruce Lee story with uh, Jason wow. Scott Lee. Jason Scott Lee, dude, I just don't know about that. Uh, it's not I don't know very how-
1: good, but it is it is stupid and fun.
0: <laughs> oh, I just don't know about his. I'm like I don't think he's capturing who Bruce Lee was personality wise.
1: <laughs> he doesn't look a thing like him. <laughs> <That> <laughs> he doesn't look best. like him. Um he's got he some, he's got the swagger. Um but yeah, it, he was an interesting choice. I'm obligated to to love him though cuz he's from Hawaii.
0: So. <laughs> I was going to say isn't he Hawaiian? Yes, uh,
1: he is. So I have to I have to love him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he was he's in lilo funny. and stitch also and soldiers
0: he's funny in balls of fury he's in there
1: he's in balls uh, of fury I, I need i need to see that movie
0: it's a little like 2000s comedy gem like it kind of flew under the radar it was pretty funny I mean,
1: christopher walken and jason scott lee I'm and sure there's uh, a lot of other people in there too
0: um d uh, diedrich i can never say his name um, Terry Crews in it. Of course, yeah. it was. Oh, Diedrich Bader. Diedrich Bader. He was um Oswald on uh, the Drew Carey Show.
1: Um. It, okay. Um. Early two thousands, vaguely Asian themed. Is Kelly Who in it?
0: Um. I'm just. Curious. No, Maggie. 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 Is Maggie. You? Maggie Q? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, yep. of course she'd be in there. <laughs> Maggie mm-hmm. Q had a moment.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It was the early 2000s, yeah. It was around the time she did Mission Impossible 3. That was like 2004.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway,
1: um, I guess that about sums up Yip-Man. Yip- um, how did you oh. feel about it?
0: Um I liked the final fight. The fight sequences were fun, except for the the factory thing. That could have just been... They could have nixed that. Um it was interesting because it wasn't at all what I was expecting it to be. I was expecting either two different movies and it was something completely different. Um, like I said, like I was anticipating things to happen and they didn't, um, yeah, not bad. Uh,
1: um, yeah. it's interesting cause, um, I'm, I'm actually curious, would you be interested in seeing the other films in the series?
0: Probably not. Okay. Um, um, I would rather go back and watch some older Kung Fu movies. Um, there was actually in this, I was watching this, there was a Kung Pao Enter the Fist moment <laughs> uh, where she's um, tending to his wounds after he beats the shit out of those 10 kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they look like they look like children. I'm sorry. <laughs> the oh, guys yeah. he was...
1: I think they're really small because he's like 5'5". Five five.
0: Yeah, and, they're and not. And he
1: looked larger than them.
0: <laughs> they were children. They look like... They were... <laughs> Um, but she's, she's tending to his hands and I don't remember if you remember I don't know if you remember Kong Pounder the Fist but she's like washing his hands she's like does that hurt and she's like no and so she squeezes like lemon juice on it and he's like what about now and she's like no and she's like put salt alcohol. and alcohol like no it doesn't hurt at all and then she breaks a thermometer <laughs> 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 in there. and it just that that scene just popped into it's like what about now and he's just like you just broke a thermometer in my hand but just him taking her taking care of his uh his hands after they were all busted was, they just in my head. i, I no, enjoyed I, really, I
1: enjoyed kung pao like i thought
0: it was no fun. i want to go back and watch some um some older some older kung fu movies um not so much modern day i'd like to see some of the older stuff hmm. um See, I'm not, as well, you... I'm not
1: as well versed in like the, uh, the Shaw brothers era, like the sixties kind of stuff, like, um, sixties, mm-hmm. seventies around there. Um, I'm more into like the eighties and onward, I guess. So like about... Jackie Chan era onward, I guess.
0: Oh, okay. What about Sonny Chiba?
1: Sonny Chiba doesn't count cause he's Japanese. Um, funny, you should mention it though. Uh, I just saw announced yesterday, uh, the Street Fighter Collection on Blu-ray for the first time in the in the US um, by uh, Shout Factory. I'm buying that shit. <laughs>
0: Is it the cart?
1: No, 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 no. Uh, Chiba made a series of films called The Street Fighter.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: those were the ones that uh, were referenced in True Romance.
0: Oh, okay. Um, Wait, did you watch it?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Where did you watch it?
1: Um. When. We were planning the triple threat with my brother.
0: I didn't even know you watched it.
1: (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, Sonny Chiba was like the mid-70s through the early 80s. Okay. Um, Japanese action movies of that era were kind of trying to ape the Bruce Lee craze that was sweeping the nation. Um, The main difference was uh, they compensated for the lack of ability like the on-screen martial arts ability with just violence, <laughs> violence <Gotcha>. and lewdness. <laughs> so okay. more, more boobs, more blood. And uh, the style of choreography was uh, a a lot more raw. Like it didn't look as artful or balletic, I guess, mm-hmm. but it looked like a lot of stuntmen were accidentally punched and kicked. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> and probably not compensated for their troubles. <laughs>
0: Ooh, got you. Okay. But, um, yeah.
1: The Ip Man movies, though, I, uh, what's interesting is this one establishes a formula um, that carries on throughout the whole series. Basically, is first half is like domestic affairs, so like Chinese on Chinese violence. Second half is uh, point the finger at the foreign devil and fuck them up. <laughs> so each
0: time, specifically Japan, or is it just no, in the first um, movie?
1: First one is Japan. Second one is uh, England. The uh, third mm. one is uh, Mike Tyson.
0: I saw, I saw <laughs> him. Uh, And the fourth great.
1: one appears to be Scott Atkins. So, what, so what fake he? fake American?
0: I wonder what his nationality is going to be in that movie. Uh, he...
1: I don't know, actually. I, I think he's supposed to be American, but that that just doesn't work. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. British, isn't he? Well, what, it's just weird seeing a, a white guy in, I would presume, no later than the 70s, doing his kind of moves. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't compute. Like, white guys didn't move like that in the early 70s. <laughs> yeah, white guys didn't move like that in the 60s.
0: No, they were crushing beer cans. That's all they could do. <laughs> um,
1: no, I mean, um, they, they did, like, boxing and stuff. They didn't do, like, wheel kicks and aerial shit.
0: Crushing beer cans. They weren't. <laughs> I've seen boxing movies. Those guys drink. Those guys, those guys used to drink. They aren't, the, they aren't the athletes they are now. Jake right. Lamont is a smoker. I think he's been a smoker his whole life.
1: Dude, he only just died like a couple years ago. He like he, out, Doug- he outlived most of his his contemporaries. It was incredible.
0: He did, He was. He was Doug Stanhope's uh, next door neighbor. Uh, he had. A, <laughs> He has a funny bit about him on one of his stand-up specials, "Beer Hall Pooch." Uh, a bit about Jake LaMotta. Huh. Uh, I will check yeah.
1: that out. Well, anyway, uh, thank you, Kyle, for catching up on Eatmon. I know it was a little out of your wheelhouse, but uh, I've hopefully. seen worse. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. Tune in next yeah. time.